0: Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everyone. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. And we're back with Crucial Conversations. If you uh, want to support what we're doing financially, that would be awesome. CrucialProductions.org slash give is a place you can do that. Any little bit that you can give would be very much appreciated. Also, large bits are also appreciated. We, we you know, equal opportunity here for any kind of givers after you've given to your church. We always want to make that clear that uh, we're not here to replace your church in terms of giving, nor in terms of teaching. So we would hope that uh, anything you're hearing us say, you're running by your pastor and saying, hey, pastor, what's the deal with this? (laughs) Kevin has a confused look now. (laughs) But Kevin does also agree with me. We're, We're not here to replace any of the church as it were, if we can say it that way. So Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe on our blog. You can subscribe to the RSS feed. All that fun stuff. If you want more crucial productions, content, and crucial conversations, which is this podcast. Kevin, have we told them about Anchored in Christ with Pastor Matt Richard? I don't know, but we should. Yeah, we should, because that's a new series that we started last month with Pastor Matt Richard. He actually uses it to teach his Sunday school teachers how to teach the lesson. How many times can I say teach in one? Just keep saying just, teach. Just keep saying teach. It's awesome. Uh, how to teach the Sunday school lesson to to the youth on the upcoming Sunday. So. That's a fantastic series because it's great if you are a teacher, but it's also great if you're anybody else wanting to know about a particular text and how it points to Christ and what's going on in that passage, that kind of stuff. Those come out every Thursday. Check on our Facebook channel, uh, YouTube channel. I even post them on Twitter, so you can kind of get them everywhere. And we also have a Bible study. That has been going on John. <laughs> Kevin's now bored because this is actually his Bible study that he teaches uh, at his church. So we're excited to be able to share an entire series on John, which is, you're still in John chapter one, aren't you? We're still in the prologue. You're, you're going to be there for a while, but that's okay. I it's, think it's been two months that we're still in the prologue. It's a deep dive into John. We release those every Monday. I would encourage you to listen to that. If you're subscribed to our podcast, they actually come through the same feed. So cool. you might already have them there. So, it's a fun Bible study. Anyways, that's a lot of details. That's a lot. We, we haven't covered the details in a long time, so I thought uh, we you know, should kind of do that at the beginning. Uh, okay, now that the details are out of the way, we're going to talk about the Trinity today. And we, oh, sure. <laughs> why not? You know what? Now that the easy, hard stuff's out of the way, let's take the easy topic, the Trinity. The Trinity. And we'll just, you that's know, explain it. that, just figure it all out. Yeah. So we had a question. Uh, which another detail if you have a question for us that you want to address you want us to address questions at crucialproductions.org is where you can send it or head over to our website and crucialproductions.org and there's a button that says ask a question fill that out that's that's how we got this one right here from joshua shall i I read the question kevin
1: please (laughs) stop talking about social media and read us a question
0: (laughs) All right, so here's Joshua's question. How do Lutherans defend the Trinity? I have a friend who believes in apostolic oneness. Are there any specific Bible verses that affirm the Trinity? Easy question, easy answer. No problem. Five minutes, done, good, we're out of here. Check. It'll be our shortest podcast episode ever. Yet. That that was sarcasm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) actually,
1: the answer is it actually is quite easy. We don't defend the Trinity. We just don't. <laughs> I mean, we don't. We don't. He doesn't need our defense. God God is not someone that needs our defense. Um, what we do as Lutherans is we confess the Trinity. Mm-hmm. We, we trust in the scriptural revelation of God as one divine being in three persons. We do not divide the substance, nor do we confuse the persons. I do confuse people talking <laughs> about the substance and the persons, but we don't confuse the persons and the essence, or divide the substance. And, yeah. Um, and and yet, the question is a good one because the Trinity is tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to talk about, and I think the first thing that we want to say to acknowledge certain things that people might find on the internet you don't need to go looking around we'll just tell you the truth the word trinity is not in the bible if your bible does have the word trinity in it it's somebody in, put it in there
0: it's in a footnote or in the concordance or something like yeah, that it, it isn't it not isn't in the, the actual scriptural text, text. yeah there's,
1: there's no place where paul says and thou shalt believe in the trinity it'd be fun <laughs> if paul talked that way wouldn't it <laughs> that would be really, really neat um, I think sometimes we have to Neither shall there be
0: four persons. Right. Five is right, right out. out. Um, so
1: so the question is, why do we confess the Trinity? Why, where do we get this from? Mm-hmm. How do you start? How do you end? What's going on with the Trinity? Is there a Trinity? Um, one of the things that's often postulated or, or even suggested is that the Church kind of made this up you know, like we're scrounging around looking for reasons to explain things. And we come up with the Trinity in the fourth century and right. start developing doctrine around our creeds and those kinds of things. Cause the creeds are all Trinitarian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The three ecumenical creeds are all Trinitarian. That's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs>
2: um,
1: but the creeds are explicitly Trinitarian. You know, if you've been to church and any, any creedal church, at some point you stand up and you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and then pretty soon, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, and then in the Holy Spirit. Both the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed are explicitly arranged in three articles around the persons of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, the Athanasian Creed is not so arranged, but you spend, you know, 20 minutes saying, there are not three Eternals, but one Eternal, <laughs> you know, after explaining that the Father was Eternal, the Son is Eternal, and the Spirit is Eternal, yet there's not three Eternals, but one Eternal. Yeah. Stuff like that. So, so, the creeds do contain the stuff of the Trinity. They explain to us what we believe about the Trinity, and yet we don't get our doctrine of the Trinity from the creeds.
0: Right. The creeds actually confess what Scripture says about the Trinity without using the word Trinity. Weird, isn't and, and, it? Yeah. So, and this what further complicates this particular question, in, in the context in which Joshua has given it to us, is he is speaking with his friends who would categorize themselves as fellow Christians. Right. Uh, apostolic oneness. I, I'm also familiar with Pentecostal one oneness. Pentecostalism might actually be the same thing. Here, yeah. I'm not not entirely sure. But there are different traditions that would place themselves in the Christian camp who don't hold to a Trinitarian doctrine. They hold to a oneness doctrine. And that's defined in different ways. And so that confuses it further. But the arguments that they often use is, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Um, I know that's one of them. I'm, I Honestly, I don't know what the other ones all are. So yeah, and, we and don't and need to go through them one by one because once again, we're not... If you've listened to our podcast, you, you'll hear us do this frequently we're not about defending, we're about confessing. Yeah. Not that defending in and of itself is bad, but it does put you in a different frame of mind when you're attempting to have conversations about the faith with others, when you think of it in terms of how do I confess this clearly mm-hmm. as opposed to how can I defend this well or rightly. Yeah. So it, it, that's what a lot we're advocating of... today.
1: There's a lot of reasons we do it this way. Um, the most important of which is that the Bible um, is not a systematic theology textbook. Right. So <laughs> we will not try to make it one-ness something.
0: Wow. Yeah. That, that was a bad was pun. Neat. I actually had to think about it. Yeah. I was like, wait, is that he that actually trying to make that pun? He did. Go for it. He just um, totally did that.
1: <laughs> so what I would suggest is that we just open our Bible to the most important book of the Bible,
0: uh Zechariah
1: the gospel according to John. Oh. Yes.
0: Yeah, I should have known
1: that. And let's just do it, you know? Yeah. So John 1:1 1, 1 says, "In the beginning was the word." That's just bizarre. So here you are. You're you're in the 1st century, right? Just mm-hmm. transport yourself back to the 1st century for a second. You've been raised either you are jewish or you've been raised around judaism and heard of the jewish scriptures um, much like today if you know any verse in the bible good chance you know genesis 1 1
0: mm-hmm.
1: which peter says
0: in the beginning god created the yeah things. in
1: the beginning god created and so you open the gospel of john and you go oh in the beginning i've heard those words before i know how the story goes <laughs> but then right away john pulls the rug out from underneath you and and he says not in the beginning God." but in the beginning, Word. Hmm. And right away, you're like, well, well, okay, John, what are you saying? Are you saying that this Word is actually God from the Old Testament?
0: Actually, he continues the verse and, and does say that?
1: And the crazy thing is, <laughs> is, is if you just kind of read the text, you're right away confronted with this idea that John is teaching us that this thing called the Word is divine. Mm-hmm. It is described in the same way the Old Testament is describing God, Elohim, Yahweh. And now all of a sudden he's saying, Logos, word. And you're like, wait, are you suggesting that the Logos is God? And Which, he which says, for a
0: Jewish audience hearing this, it's, it's, we're like talking blasphemy here. At least. <laughs> and so... He's like, N- no,
1: I'm not. Because the word was with God. And you're like, oh. Okay, so this is like in Proverbs when the wisdom is with God at the creation. And so w- when you're talking about this word, what you mean is like, like one of the best angels, like an archangel or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Yeah. He's, he's there with God. He's it's eternal, Michael, so he's not human. Michael, Gabriel, and Word. And Word or something. Yeah. Or maybe that's Michael's other name because, you know, who knows. Oh, sure. And so maybe that's what's going on. And so we're like, okay, we have no problem with the idea that in, in the heavens, right, That there are other beings that were there with God at the time of creation. So, in Jewish idea, you have maybe the Torah was there at the beginning with God. You have angels, the sons of God. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever chaos is there with God. All kinds of ideas. We're like, okay, that's totally cool. So we have the Word in the beginning, and the Word was with God. Great, no problem. And and then John's like, no, 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 hold on. Because then in the last clause, he says, and the word was God. You're like, no. And we're picking up stones again. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> and he goes, You heard me. This word that I'm describing as being divine is indeed God. But there's also one that is also described as God that isn't the Word. So now we have two different things in the first verse of John that are both described as God. The Greek word is theos, which is the word meaning God. Mm -hmm. So you have one who is God, who is with the Word, and you have one that is the Word that is defined as being himself god so all of a sudden you have two things in one verse both called god but the problem is in the old testament the most important verse that israel goes by when it talks about who is your god they say Hear, O israel the lord our god the lord is one one and so they're like this this is not this does not work this is blasphemy this mm-hmm. is the charge against Jesus. This is the charge against Jesus's followers, is that you are setting up a God who is not God, because the God of the Old Testament is not two, but one. And John says, that's the God I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Wait, what? What? And so the rest of the gospel, and this is something we have ta- touched on this briefly before. I just want to reiterate it. And just in case you've never had this thought, I want you to have it now. Mm-hmm. Who's the God of the New Testament?
0: God. What God? Same one of the Old Testament. Why would you say that? Well, because I already know the end. <laughs> if, if, you just, if
1: you just read the, the New Testament, it's a valid question to ask, well, what God is Jesus talking about?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What God is Paul talking about? I mean, lots of people write about God, Lots of people write about theos as an idea, mm-hmm. right? Plato talked about god and gods. So, what god are they talking about in the New Testament? How do you figure this out? Who is the god of the writers of the Old of the New Testament? Who do, who do they think he is? Mm-hmm. How do you know?
0: Peter, do you have any idea? Well, John tells us. How? Where? We're going through it right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's just philosophical
1: talk about God and Logos and archaic okay. and all these Greek ideas. Sure. How in the New Testament you consistently know that the God that they're conceiving of is the God of the Old Testament?
0: Well, I can think offhand of one passage in John where Jesus says, you've searched the scriptures because you think that in them you find life, but it's they that testify of me. Okay, so he's
1: saying he's the God of the Old Testament, he's- which is
0: still not quite the same question. No, what does Jesus
1: not. mean when he says God or my Father? Why would we equate him with the God of the Old Testament? Well, see,
0: I know the answer is Yahweh, but the yeah. problem is I'm skipping steps to get there, and I don't yeah. remember what the steps are to get me there. Well, <laughs> it's, it's so simple
1: we all skip it, but this is an important thing. What do they quote as authoritative texts about who God is?
0: What do the New Testament? New Testament or...
1: writers. When they want to say, I'm going to clinch my argument, I'm going to quote a text, what do they t- quote from in general? What do we call it?
0: I don't know. The Old Testament. Oh, okay. See, they believe... <laughs> I was thinking too specific. Like They Isaiah? believe
1: <laughs> that the God that is revealed in the Old Testament is the God that they're talking about because when they want to say, you can trust me, they quote the scriptures and say that's the god we're talking about mm-hmm. now this might all seem very basic and we're going, yeah i know that but that's an important thing to say is that the god of jesus and the apostles is the god of the old testament mm-hmm. so in no way shape or form could their theology
0: contradict that of the old testament well and the point of us going through this very basic exercise first of all we've already demonstrated i forgot one of the steps (laughs) in the middle of this how easy it is for us to just skip to look i don't need all this background just tell me about the trinity thing give me that answer and that's that's really all i need is is the proof text give me the quick rundown and great we're off but if you don't actually understand everything that goes into it and how this works it's it's going to be one more question before your friend now stumps you again right so, so great, you have the answers. Well, they're going to come back with, well, that's not how I read that text. And that's not how I see that one. And that's not what my Bible says. And because we haven't gotten this foundation of, here's how to actually get from A to C without skipping B, you're not able to actually think through and process with your friend this really good topic that yeah. is a good discussion to have, whether it's in person or online. And, and that, that's why we're being... And honestly, (laughs) it's a good,
1: and and I live in a weird world. I got to be honest, because this is a good discussion to have inside your own head. Sure. As you're reading scripture, ask these kinds of questions. What? I mean, there's all this talk about God in the New Testament. Well, maybe it's just a new God. How do we, how do we know that this Jesus character is talking about the God that Moses believed in? Well, it's actually pretty explicit all over the place, right? Yeah. I mean, just read Matthew's gospel. He starts off by saying, okay, Jesus is a result of the promise that was given through Abraham, then on to David, through the exile, and ends up in Jesus. You're like, oh, okay, so we're we're in that context. But maybe it's still a different God, right? Maybe you're going to say something went wrong in the Old Testament. But then right away, as soon as Jesus is born and all kinds of stuff, Matthew's like, See that's what the prophets said in the Old Testament. See? See, prophets in the Old Testament, this yep. is exactly they were talking about. Said it was and all be of a sudden all of a sudden what you have is Matthew saying the God that's running the show here is the God of the Old Testament. So Jesus is the one that God promised. And that's why when Matthew and the other gospel writers all of a sudden say stuff about Jesus as though he's divine, we know they are not violating the theology of monotheism found in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They are monotheists. They believe in one God, and they will not blaspheme that one God because he is God of God and Lord of Lords. There's only one God, yeah. and they won't dare blaspheme him. So when the gospel writers actually talk about God in terms of Jesus being God, like we just read John doing, Mm-hmm. In no way shape or form is he wanting to violate the theology of the Old Testament as a matter of fact if you read his gospel he believes that teaching that Jesus is divine is totally in line with the Old Testament
0: and that actually is what the Old Testament was teaching yeah and he's going <laughs>
1: actually this is what we missed right now now it's I'm, always been this now we... you can see it because of Jesus yeah yeah which is exactly what we want to do we want to show you the Trinity because of Jesus. And
0: I wanted to point out, we're almost 20 minutes into this episode and right. we haven't mentioned the Holy Spirit yet. What? And that's on purpose. Yeah. Th- that's the thing. When, when we talk about how do we do theology, how do we work through these things, starting at the basics, that basics is Jesus. Right. We, write, we make sure that we're rightly confessing who Jesus is and everything actually flows out from that. Exactly. We we've we had our one episode talking about our lens is Jesus reading Scripture through the lens of Jesus. This is an example of okay, with when it comes to the Trinity, you don't start with the Holy Spirit. You don't start with proof texts that mention all the three persons of the Trinity. We'll we'll get to some of those passages here, maybe depending on how this conversation goes. Um, no promises. But the point is, you actually have to rightly. Understand who Jesus is first because you're actually going to get the Trinity wrong if you get Jesus wrong.
1: That is that is so important what you just said. I mean, that is huge. Yeah. Because our Trin- Trinitarian theology is really based on our Christology. Right. And this is the way you should read the Athanasian Creed.
0: the The other way that we tend to do it is let's make sure we get the Trinity right and then we'll figure out who Jesus is based on that you act that actually doesn't work
1: Boy, you end up in <laughs> some real christological problems yeah I you understand.
0: get into some weird heresies and all that it's all messed up it's all about which direction you're going so what we're trying to model in this conversation is we're going the other way yep start with jesus and frankly this is what we try to do with every single topic Everything. we'll deal with so if you send us in a question we're actually going to do this, this all do of it. those <laughs> questions and it's not because we're,
1: we're projecting this upon an idea this is actually how we believe theology is done from the scriptures themselves. Yeah, this is how we confess things: which we read the words of scriptures in Christ and then confess them.
0: This is what we believe Paul does. Right, and we're studying the Book of Romans on Friday mornings yeah. at work right now, Boy, and this is this is too. how Paul does the whole thing. It's all yep. through Christ. This is what John does. This entire gospel, he's starting us with who Jesus is, and the rest of his gospel is just gonna. Keep going through that.
1: Which we got to get back to. So here's the point. John (laughs) is presenting Jesus to us as in concert with the God of the Old Testament. Not in contradistinction to him, but in concert to him. Meaning, whatever he says about Jesus is not going to contradict the truth of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's going to illuminate the Old Testament. Yeah, It's It's going to to teach us how to understand those words and that God. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we're going to find out real quick is the God of the Old Testament, when it isn't explicitly Jesus, is actually Jesus's father, <laughs> which is really bizarre. So, so now if we, if we just keep going, right? Mm-hmm. So in 114, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Now all of a sudden we're getting language the church uses to describe the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? Where do we get it from? Well, the Bible tells us in the Trinity, there is a father and there is a son. Yep. Right. And in John's gospel, we have two divine beings in verse one. I mean, beings is a weird word, but two... Two divine persons. Two somethings that. Yeah. that he says the word is divine and the and the God that's with the word is also divine. So we have two somethings that are both divine. Now he gives a name to those two things, father and son. Mm-hmm. And now we're well on our way to a Trinitarian theology, because what we recognize is that when Jesus is God, that does not negate the godhood of the Father, and it also means that Jesus is not simply the Father in another form, mm-hmm. right? So, so one of the heresies that is very prevalent, and and some people even accuse people that are really into Christology, the Old Testament, of doing this, is that we kind of say that the Father is the God of the Old Testament, right? Right. And then Jesus is the God of the New Testament, so he's the Father in a different
0: form mm-hmm. or a different mode. Mode, yeah. Right? And, and then, then... And then
1: now... After Pentecost, what God do we have?
0: We got the Holy Spirit. We got
1: the Holy Spirit version of God. Yeah. Right? So that's called... Modalism. Modalism.
0: Right. So or God Sibelianism, appears, if you're going to go with some ancient fancy words, that are fancy. fancy, fancy words. Because most of our ancient heresies are named after a person. So Sibelius was a famous person who held to this one, and so it got
1: named after him. So I guess the good news wow. for me is there's no heresies named after me. Yeah, which means I'm doing okay so. Oh, far. so far. Yeah, okay. We're, yeah, we're yeah. getting there though. So <laughs> you're not so, dead yet, Kevin. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Just wait. You're not dead yet. But but really, honestly, this this is really how it goes. Is yeah. that all of a sudden we are confronted with a biblical text that is presenting to us this one God in two persons. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? <laughs> well, if you actually listen to the words of John, you believe it. You trust it. You trust that this Jesus who is teaching us. A, us these things is the truth. Mm-hmm. And as you go through John's gospel, we don't have time to do this. As we go through John's gospel, especially think through chapter three, right? No one can enter the the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Spirit. And then if you if you keep reading that text, what happens is the spirit is given divine attributes. Mm-hmm. He does stuff that only God can do. Yep. Right? And at the gospel, even in John one, I think it's thirty three the Baptist says that that at the the baptism of John, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, right? The Spirit of God is on Jesus. And
0: you're like, wait, what? And, now and we, that that's reminds a different us attribute who's on the Son, yes. but it's not the it's Son, not, and it's not the Father. And there's a voice from heaven that's a different one entirely. So see, you actually have all three. See
1: now you're running to Matthew, right? End of <laughs> Matthew three,
0: which is which is really if you want to go
1: to a text that isn't Matthew 28. Right. You know, you you look at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, which actually helps us understand Matthew 28. So listen to this. Then Jesus, this is the end of Matthew three, starting verse uh, 13 ish. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need baptized by you and you come to me. And Jesus answered and said, let it be. So now for this, it is fulfilling to fulfill all righteousness. And then John was like, well, can't argue with that <laughs> so and when jesus was baptized immediately he came up from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of god so again matthew is kind of telling us that the spirit god right mm-hmm. divine spirit of god descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven which could be the Spirit's voice, or it could be Jesus's voice, right? We mm-hmm. don't know,
0: not yet. Yeah.
1: And then it says, "This is my beloved son." Son, like whoa, oh, not Jesus, not Jesus, <laughs> and not the Spirit. This sounds like the voice of the Father, a Father who would have a son.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: again, we have John saying there's a Father, and a Son, and a Spirit. We have Matthew saying there's a father and a son and a spirit.
0: And all of this is happening in the context of here's Jesus and who he is first. And it's a further expansion of who Jesus
2: is. We're seeing it through him in that sense. So
0: even scripture goes at it from this direction. See, I always say this and I I get in
1: trouble sometimes for saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. And, you know, we're going to (laughs) do send us an email. The reason Jesus is father is because he has a... Son. Son. See, even the idea that you we mean would— to
0: say Jesus is Father? No. I'm, I the, mean, say God. the reason God is Father. Sorry. See, I, yeah. me- I <laughs> messed it all up. The
1: reason God is called Father is because he has a son. And this is explicit in the Old Testament. Even think about this in Psalm 2, right? Mm-hmm. In Psalm 2, it we're, we're told to trust in the Son. Today, you know, I have begotten you. You are my son. I'm your father. This is in the Psalms. This is in 2 Samuel 7 when he when when god the father makes these promises of david's heir on the throne he says i will be to him a father and he will be a son right mm-hmm. and so this is god the father god the son all this messianic language of father and son israel itself is called the son of god why because israel as a nation is actually putting us to the person of jesus as a fulfillment of israel mm-hmm. and then that leads us to the church right yep. which is the body of christ and so all this idea of god as father is really rooted in the idea that he has a son.
0: Which and, makes sense because I can't be a father unless I actually have children. Right. Nobody calls me a father until I have children. Exactly. And so I could be this married is, for 10 years, but I'm still only a husband. Right. Until I have children. And then all of a sudden you become a father. Yeah. And this is the way it works. So
1: now let's just be totally blunt. Does that make any sense that God uh, would have a
0: child? No. No, none. Muslims actually have a huge problem with this.
1: Most of us do.
0: Well, they they codify it specifically as a problem, but well, yeah. <laughs> most people do
1: actually. Most most denominations or or um not churches, but religious people that talk about God but don't want to talk about the Trinity, it's because they have a problem with this idea. Hmm. They either think that this doesn't make any sense. So so this is really the root of a lot of heresies, is God can't have a child, right? So he's either got to have... He's changed from father to son, right? That's yeah. modalism. Or the son isn't really as divine as the father. He's slightly less divine. He's slightly less or something like or that. Or he
0: became divine right. after being not divine. So
1: that's the other one, is that is that we have okay, well, you have the Father and the Spirit of the Father, and we can understand that being divine, but then this guy named Jesus, he can't be God. So what we're really reading the baptism is that he was just included into God's kind of close-knit group here.
0: Some would say adopted. Right, adopted. There's into actually this a role. heresy called adoptionism. So then we have
1: adoptionism, where what happens is that the baptism of Jesus, um, he is given the Spirit of God and given a share in the divinity or given a share in the work of, of the Trinity or something like that you know yeah, where, yeah. where he's not really God he's just kind of brought in for a while yeah. and then what happens is now what do you do with him when he dies you got to get rid of the God before he dies so then you have docetism so he, where he just appears to be God yep. really isn't or disappears to be whatever human and you have all these weird heresies but, but listen to all of it it's all rooted in this idea that Jesus can't actually be fully God and the Father be fully God and the Holy Spirit be fully God but Here's the thing, and here's what we're getting at. When you read the text, when you actually read the Gospels, read Paul, even read the Old Testament, what you'll find is that this Son of the Father is divine. Mm-hmm. And the Father is divine. And there's a divine spirit. It's at creation. Yeah. Right? Right. The father speaks creation and being though the spirit of god is hovering over the waters father word spirit it's all there it's there yep this is what john's getting at and and what the new testament teaches us is that we we can't try to solve this logically we just confess it so the beginning of matthew's gospel we've got the father his beloved son we've got the spirit and then we, we read the rest of the gospel and you're like where where'd he go What's going on around here, and and you just flip it, flipping your head, flipping your head through the gospel, right? Stop at sixteen.
0: Okay. Who
1: do, who do you say I am? Peter says,
0: "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God."
1: And Jesus says, "Well, you got that right, but not of yourself. You got it from the Spirit, actually from the Father. From the Father, yes. yeah. <laughs> so once again, we have Father and Son, right?" Yeah. Father giving divine knowledge, Son being divine himself, the Son mm-hmm. of God. And we're just confronted with this reality, which isn't solved. We're just, we're monotheists with both Jesus being God and the Father being God at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not one smushed into another or one changing forms or modes or anything like that, right? Yeah, yeah, So we're kind of wondering, what's going on here? Well, at the end of Matthew's gospel, he finally just says it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right. Let me wrap it all up for let you. Me just, people. Let me just
1: explain this in one verse to just kind of give you the clue <laughs> of what's going on here. So then when Jesus is raised from the dead, he's he's talking to his disciples before he's ascended. And he's like, here's the deal. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And they're like, Oh, so you're now God. All of it. All of it. He's like, Yes, I am God. They're like, Wow. <laughs> and then he says, So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in, in
0: the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Oh. So, when we say the name, Mm -hmm. which is actually an Old Testament way to say God without saying Yahweh, lest you say Yahweh and break the second commandment. When we say the name, what you mean is?
0: That name is Father, Son, Holy Spirit.
1: Three persons, one God. Mm -hmm. And in those three persons, in one God, is eternal life. Yep. See, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How do we know that Trinity? We don't know it through philosophy. We don't know it through logic. We know it through revelation. Yeah. And this is, we go back to John now. John one eighteen says this, no one has ever seen God. So you can't, you can't figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And if you read to the end of the verse, what it says is Jesus is the one that explains to us who God is. And that's exactly what What we read in the New Testament scriptures is that when Jesus is confessed as God and he prays to his father and the father sends the spirit and at the baptism and at the crucifixion when father forgive them, right? Mm -hmm. And then he breathes out his spirit and there is the Son displayed on the cross. And we have this Trinitarian reality that you can't avoid. Just keep reading over and over and you'll be amazed. All of a sudden we're talking about the spirit as though it's divine. All of a sudden, talking (laughs) about the Father as though He's divine. The
0: Spirit in Acts is doing all sorts of God things. (laughs) And
1: and Jesus is doing God stuff. And the Father is doing God stuff. And never to the exclusivity of each other. Right. But always complementing each other, right? The Father's always sending the Son. Yeah. The Spirit is always enlivening the church, always giving life always breathing right it's it's this is the divine work and so what happens is we and and the trinitarian language in the creed is so important and i know it sounds clunky but it's so helpful to get in your head you don't divide the substance what does that mean it means we're monotheists there's one god there's not three gods there's one
0: you don't confuse the essence
1: no we don't divide the
0: divide the essence yeah oh, so divide the substance okay
1: and we don't confuse the persons persons so did the father die for you? nope no is the spirit incarnate for you? nope no see now we got our now we got the Trinity as the New Testament explains it to us we've got the person of the Trinity who is incarnate is the second person of the Trinity the Son of God his name is Jesus. That son has a father. That son suffered and died and rose again and ascended and will return. He is seated at the right hand of the father. Father. Yep. And I believe all this because the Spirit, right, mm-hmm. works faith. First Corinthians chapter twelve verse three: No one speaking by the Spirit of God says. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it's only by the Holy Spirit that you can say Jesus is Lord. Wait a minute i thought god alone saved us god alone gives us faith and all of a sudden paul says that's the work of the spirit so apparently paul (laughs) believes the spirit is god god yeah and it just keeps going and going and going (laughs) and we say okay so this is why we confess the trinity because the new testament teaches us to read scripture this way yeah and you go back, and, and please do, read the entire Old Testament with this in mind. And all of a sudden, you see all kinds of pluralities going on within the oneness of God. You see all kinds of talk about the Spirit of God. You talk about the promise of sending His Son. You talk about the Father. And when you understand it correctly, you even see Jesus as God in the flesh with His people.
0: And this is why it's so important to talk about it in terms of confession, rather than defense. Because what you had said a little bit ago is extremely important. We're not using logic, Mm -hmm. which is human reason. We're not using philosophy, more human reason, because the reality is if you're going down those paths, this doesn't work. No, It doesn't make sense. It actually will fall apart. And so Joshua, as you're talking with your friend about this, whoever this individual is, this is going to be the roadblock that you're gonna come up against and why confession is more important than defense because people who don't read scripture in this way, who don't believe what we believe, you cannot convince them logically, rationally, philosophically that this is true and this is what scripture says because that's not how scripture works.
1: So Peter, here's the thing. I'm, I'm talking to my buddy about this. He's a oneness or whatever, right? Oneness something, yeah. He's a modalist or he's an Aryan or something, right? And I spend a half an hour, an hour talking about this, and I've, I've confessed to him the truth of Christ's death and resurrection. I've confessed to him the truth of the baptism of Jesus. I've confessed to him the truth of Matthew 28, and he looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> What's the worst that just happened? You're crazy. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I also got to confess to him. Jesus. The gospel Jesus. Yeah. so don't the whole ever forget conversation, that
0: conversation you got to do that right so <laughs> so don't ever forget
1: that that when you start with christ and you confess who he is for us because of god's love what he's done for us on the cross the worst that can possibly happen is you just confessed christ to somebody yeah and we let the spirit going back to what we just said we let the spirit of god do god's work
0: that is the crucial conversation Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thanks.